Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. So in this episode with Polly Lavarello, we'll be covering what it means to be a female entrepreneur in today's society, going perhaps from a corporate culture of running in a hamster wheel and then stepping into your own business, trying to find the freedom and fulfillment that is working for you on your terms. And also looking at what gets in the way of that, of when we don't take action because of perhaps perfectionistic standards holding us back, or when we don't dare to be visible because we fear of not being good enough or fear of failing. So in this episode, Polly will show you how to pivot your business to go more online and how you can show up using digital marketing, but also how important it is to do the inner work with the external support to grow your business. Let's get started. Today's guest on the show is Polly Lavarello. She is a go-to Facebook ad strategist for coaches and online course creators. She's also the founder of the Launchpad, an online membership to support female entrepreneurs to promote their online businesses authentically, sustainably, and powerfully. Polly uses her experience working in a marketing agency to successfully build her own business from scratch after having her first child and for the following six years has continued to help other female entrepreneurs to create thriving businesses of their own. And I brought Polly onto this podcast because she has helped me with my visibility, helping me to step out of my own way and create things that are imperfect. She's part of why I finally stepped out to creating this Pause Purpose Play podcast. So of course, she's going to be an amazing guest to have on today. So welcome to the show, Polly. It's really lovely to have you on here and slightly odd to have you on the other side, uh, if you may, because you've been coaching me during the summer. So we know each other because I've done your Leads on Demand course on helping my digital marketing so I can get my voice right and get my message out to people. So it's so fantastic to have you on, on the other side today. So let's get started. And I think we need to take a deep breath because both you and I are quite high striving and I have a feeling that we can bring a lot of energy to this this episode otherwise. So let's start by just letting the listeners know a little bit more about your story, you know, a little bit more about who you serve and why and how you've gone from actually, you know, being an entrepreneur and thinking about what's meaningful to you and then actually helping other people becoming entrepreneurs or working in their entrepreneurial uh, endeavors and what's meaningful to them. So tell me a little bit about your story. Gosh, well, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one, actually, because it's not been remotely linear um, and not really one that I kind of had a solid plan for at the beginning. A lot of it feels like it's kind of happened to me since becoming a mother. I think like for many women, I had to make some big kind of life choices as to what I wanted to be as a mum and what I wanted to be as a professional and how to make those two balance with each other. And um, prior to that, I'd done you know university degree and I'd worked in a few marketing roles. And um, I had actually decided when I became a mum that I was just going to, well, I say I was just going to, that I was my focus was going to be on motherhood and I was going to take a career break. 
But during the time that I was um, nursing my daughter in those early hours when she was only a few months old, um, I started thinking, I already had a blog, um, a parenting blog, and I decided I wanted to make it larger. I wanted to create a community online for mums where we could all connect with each other and dispel some of those taboos around subjects that many of us didn't talk about. And so that's kind of where my working for myself journey began. And it was accidental because it was really seeing a need. There was an unmet need in the community that I was in where there wasn't a website like this. So I wasn't mimicking anyone else. While there was things like Mumsnet in the UK, I was in Gibraltar and we didn't have anything like that. So I created the kind of Gibraltarian equivalent. And it just all took off from there. It was a real example to me that when you pursue something you're very passionate about and you're consistent about it, that everything can just take off. So suddenly I was asked to be interviewed on the radio and on the TV news. Then I was offered a role on a panel show by the same TV station. Um, I was asked to be a panelist for a magazine. Um, I I was then asked to do a public talk, um, the kind of equivalent of TED Talks in Gibraltar, um, alongside the chief minister of all people. So it, it was a really crazy time. And during that time, I just became, I I was connected to more and more other female entrepreneurs and learning about their journeys. Well, most of them approached me kind of saying, wow, you've marketed yourself well. How can you um, help us with our marketing so that we can kind of get out there the way you have? And so that's where my journey began supporting other female entrepreneurs um, and other female startups. And yeah, it's just kind of grown from there. I'm just um, super passionate about helping women live a life on their own terms, really. That's fantastic. And Although it was almost accidental for you, it was kind of going against what you thought was going to be most purposeful for you. Did you feel that when you were doing it, that that was purposeful for you in a different way than you had expected when you were setting out to to focus only on your on your on your little girl? Yeah, I think um, like many mothers that um, I also have worked with, it there is that guilt, there's that feeling. It, I think it's very difficult because prior to becoming um, a mum and starting my own business. I was working nine to five and you had then a really kind of clear cut definition of what was, what was the time you were working? What was the time that you were socializing with your partner or friends and family? And and your life was kind of in neat little kind of (laughs) sections and you you knew what was what. And then when you become a mum, suddenly everything's kind of blown out the water and, and, you know, there's permanent guilt as to, am I being enough of a partner? Am I being enough of a mother? Um, Am I being enough of a friend? And I think that is probably one of the biggest things to kind of overcome the moment you do become a mother because things do change in every single way um, whether it's friendships or partnerships or work and so there was a slight feeling of guilt that I didn't feel like um, giving all my attention to my daughter was satisfying me creatively because essentially that's what it came down to was all those times that I was lying there breastfeeding um, writing was a massive therapy for me so I was writing these blogs and I just thought I don't want to just write my own thoughts alone. I want to be collating the thoughts of other people. I want to be connecting people. And there must be lots of other women like me who are bored breastfeeding at four in the morning. And who else can I, you know, create something for where we can all feel a bit more connected? Because I think motherhood can feel quite isolating. And mm-hmm. But as a mum, I also feel um, my daughter's now six and my son is four. I'm proud of what I'm doing, even though it does take me away from them to a certain extent, because it's a good example to my daughter one day that she'll get to design the career that she'd like and she doesn't have to fit inside boxes to do well. And my only regret is that I didn't start working for myself sooner. Yeah, because it it gives you an entrepreneurial freedom, doesn't it? And I guess it's not the same though. If if you think about your nine to five job that you had, 
where there was a clear cut, you know, I'm now at work and now I'm not at work. Has that been difficult for you to balance when you've had the sort of the upsides of, you know, being a business owner is the flexibility and the freedom. But a lot of women that I work with who are entrepreneurs really struggle to switch off and to sort of say, that's enough for today. I'm finished um, because it, it could be never ending. How, how do you manage that balance when you're not lo- no longer in the nine to five? Um, it definitely is a challenge. Um, and I have to be highly aware of my habits and my behaviors. And it's certainly why I have worked with coaches. In fact, my very first experience myself of working with a coach was because I could see myself approaching burnout. In fact, I didn't even know I was approaching burnout. I just was feeling very emotional, uh, mentally exhausted, just all the kind of signs of when things are getting too much. And she uh, wrote very well about burnout and what that looked like and helped me become aware of the fact that while I wasn't there yet, I was certainly heading in that direction. Mm. So um, creating a community of entrepreneurs, because I think um, especially when you start out as an entrepreneur, you, you may be in the minority. I certainly was. I don't know many people in the same kind of industry as me. So not in real life anyway, not my immediate community. So finding a community of other women online who are doing similar things to me has been actually life-changing. Like it's, it's really made a huge difference because we keep each other accountable. I learn from how they create balance in their life, but it is something I regularly check in on myself and I'll create kind of rules. So there was a certain time when before lockdown that I made sure I did a half day on Wednesday. So I got to clip my son and have time with just him when my daughter wasn't around and if, you know, if I start seeing things occurring you know, and I wanted to take my daughter's swimming lessons, so I'd make sure I finished early on a Tuesday. So I kind of just made sure I, I worked my working hours around mm. a way that I could be there most to support them when they needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, finding time for myself, though, that's another matter. <laughs> but finding time for them, I always find time for them. So what do you think, Polly, what gets in the way then of you not finding time for yourself if you're very keen on meeting their emotional and physical needs, having fun things for them planned? Why not for yourself to the same extent? I I guess at the end of the day, it's just very hard to balance it all. And the promise I make to myself on my entrepreneurial journey is that I am in a stage right now of growth and building. So I'm building the foundations, uh, creating online courses and and communities. And my business is now expanding. I'm taking on a team. So I see this as a period where I will inevitably be putting more into it. But the goal is to create foundations for a lifestyle where I have a team that support me more and I can step back a bit and find more time in my life for me. That's not to say I don't have any at all. Um, Again, there are some certain rules. I I won't work in the evenings anymore. I used to work in Mm -hmm. the evenings and I now see that as a fruitless activity because I'm always mentally tired by then because I wake up full of ideas. So by 8 8 p.m., I'm no good to anyone. So I I do make a point of switching off once the kids have gone to bed. That is my time. So to a certain extent, I I do. And I do make sure I have my hot baths. And if I'm tired, I give myself a reverse lion, as they call them. So there are, I think what I do is I create small moments in my everyday. And I'm not doing as many large things as I used to. But Mm. um, that's also lockdown influenced as well. I think lockdown has had an influence on my habits because prior to lockdown, I'd gone on three holidays in the space of about five months. And that was my my recharge time, which is uh, no longer as accessible as it was then. Mm. And it's tough, isn't it? Because a lot of high striving people would just do that. They would power through during the year and long for their break and for their holiday away. And what happens then that when we we never switch off during the, the powering times, then when we go on holiday, uh, all too often we catch a cold. 
we're really exhausted because we haven't switched off and not slowed down until the point of where we get on that flight or, you know, get into the hotel room or wherever it is that we're going. And that can be really difficult as well. I think a lot of people have been made to slow down more because of lockdown. And it's not it's not been easy for sure, but there's been some lessons from lockdown for a lot of us. And how do you think that has influenced you in, in your career, sort of thinking about how so many people are pivoting their businesses to bring them online right now? What are your thoughts on that and how business owners can manage this during these t- tough times? Why is now a good time to be online and what can people do to break through all that noise? Well... Being online is hugely powerful. Um, Certainly it's how I've managed to kind of be so resilient during this period is that I'd already been online. Um, As a mother, I think it gives you so much flexibility to be able to work from anywhere. Mm. Um, So it's really nice because a lot of people prior to motherhood will talk about laptop lifestyle and being able to work from anywhere. And that is all very well and true. When you become a mother, (laughs) there's a slight kind of scoffing element where you think, yes, okay, well, I can't really work from a hammock from Thailand (laughs) with my kids or like running around. That's that's not really what's going to happen for me. But at the same time, it is wonderful in that I've never missed any of my daughter's assemblies, you know, any, obviously, again, you know, it's been changed slightly since uh, recently, but, um, you know, anything that she needs, I can prioritize. And even likewise, actually, for myself, you know, uh, I used to, and I will start again, go for massages when I needed them, go for, you know, yoga. So I, I do create mini breaks in my day and mm. in my work to, to create the flexibility I need to make sure my cup is filled as well. So I think it's really, on a, on a personal level, it's lovely to be able to work online. In terms of resiliency during this uncertain economic period, I think it's really vital because every business needs some part of it to be online. And if you can have all of it online, great, but you'll need at least some part um, of it to be online. So it makes sense to be there. Um, I know certainly if I was starting out in business, I would want to be looking at work online right now because I just feel like that is, there will always be a demand (laughs) while it's, you know, in real life, there's so many uncertainties right now. While online, all of us are willing to jump onto a Zoom call or be doing, you know, connecting online. So, hmm. and in, in terms of um, how to stand out through the noise, um, that is something a lot of people feel a huge amount of concern about. I think there's a huge amount of self-awareness around it. I think many of us feel like, oh, I've just said something online and all my friends and all my family and everyone's watching me. And a bit like anything you do online, actually, that's not really true. Or if they have noticed, they'll forget about it a minute later. Um, unless it's relevant to them. What we're aware of when we see things online are things that will benefit us immediately, that impact us. And so if you're doing something that doesn't really impact them, they'll be like, oh, that's nice. You're selling some kind of gravel. Nice, but they'll move on. So they're not going to be judging you the way you feel you are going to be judged. But I think that's one of the biggest, in fact, I know it's one of the biggest concerns people approach me with when they first start talking about being more present online. But the reality is, because a lot of people feel this way, A lot of people aren't consistent with showing up online and that's either they'll kind of go for it for one week and then give up (laughs) or they'll, um, you know, kind of do it every so often and wonder why it's not having any effect. So the biggest way to stand out from other people online is, is to be consistent, to regularly show up and to do it in as kind of confident or playful a way as, you know, as natural a way as you can, you know, manage that's how you really stand out, um, to be honest with you, is consistency. I think we can really overthink all the other elements, mm. but just always showing up and being really clear on who you serve and how you help them, obviously, <laughs> is essential. If you're trying to meet everyone's needs, 
you won't be heard by anyone. So you have to be really specific about who you're helping. And um, I think it's Jay Gem I heard say recently, you're not selling the sausage, you're selling the sizzle, ah, <laughs> which really stuck with me. It's a nice one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to, yeah, to remember that you are selling what the benefit of whatever your product or service is, not the product or service. Most people aren't aware that they need the product or the service, but they're aware of the benefit that comes with it or, you know, or the lack of. And is that what brought you to creating your company to pivot it this way in terms of solving those problems that your female entrepreneurs would face of struggling around visibility, struggling around, you know, taking action and getting started and and then also even more importantly, sticking with it? Is that sort of one of the main things you wanted to solve or was there anything else entirely? Um, Interestingly, I, it wasn't really much of a pivot while everything happened at the beginning of lockdown in terms of me launching my online courses. It actually, I'd planned it back in January. And in fact, I'd been talking about creating an online course for about a year <laughs> before I got around to it. Because um, like many people, I was held back by perfectionism, fear of the unknown. Would anyone buy it? Um, but I'd been helping clients one-to-one for quite a while, up to you know, for several years, in fact, up to the stage where I created the online course. So I'd been helping people in all the areas that I then created an online course for. And it reached the stage where my one-to-one rates. I I basically was full up. I was getting all the leads I needed and I couldn't actually take anyone else on. So that gave me a clear indication that there was a demand for the knowledge I had and people who wanted to buy from me and I didn't have anything to give them. So an online course was the next logical step. It was good timing and I'm really glad that I'm offering it because um, it's something that a lot of people need. But the thing that really drives me is sounds very well it's feminist um, but I really want to support women in particular I think I've done jobs in the past before I kind of started doing everything I do now um, where I felt undervalued overworked and I did experience sexism in the workplace and I also felt when I was a mother when I became a mother that there was a lot of expectation placed upon me as to who and how I should be and I love the freedom that working for myself has brought me. And I love seeing that look on other women's faces when, when they achieve that as well. And when they kind of get past their fear, you know, so many women are watching other women doing online courses or group coaching or masterclasses. And they're thinking, I've got knowledge that I could share that people would love and, and they want to put it out there. But they're just all these kind of invisible blocks holding them back. And I love helping women smash through those invisible blocks and give them the tools to get out there themselves and realize it's actually not that complicated. Mm. But they're also very much held back by those fears that you mentioned, the fears of the unknown or the fears of failure and not being good enough. And you mentioned perfectionism that, you know, how this, I guess there's two parts to that. How has that held you back and how does it hold back the women you serve? Um, well, yeah, perfectionism, it definitely holds me. I know I could probably be a leaner, meaner operating machine if I delegated more. And I know <laughs> I'm particularly fussy about how things look and, well, in every sense, actually. So uh, it, it's held me back in terms of I could probably be outsourcing a lot more by now if I wasn't such a perfectionist. Having said that, I also know one of the reasons why clients trust me and come back to me time and time again is because I do really care about what I'm doing and I do really deliver. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some people who are so keen to kind of churn things out that they don't necessarily do that and then they make mistakes and then things don't go so well. So it's one of those different difficult things where in some ways I see it holding me back in other ways I think, but I, it's so intrinsic to my nature. I don't know how I'd step away from that, but I do. I do take gradual steps and you know, I'm gradually delegating more and more. And when it goes well, I'm more often kind of seeing, okay, this is something I should be doing more of. Hmm. 
But the, I think the really valuable thing I've learned as well, which is one of those things that you learn through experience is nobody knows what they're doing, really. Everyone is putting stuff out there and they're seeing what works and what doesn't work. And it's kind of a bit like a science experiment. You try this, you try that, and something at some point will catch on. And all those women you see who are doing incredibly well have probably spent, I don't know, up to four years prior experimenting with different ways to serve people, different hooks, different products, different, you know, they've, they've, they've tried different things and then they've landed on one, they've been around so people know and trust them after a certain period of time of being around and present in their social feeds. But secondly, they've had all that time to learn their audience and really know what, what they need and how they can serve them. And that's when it all suddenly takes off and flies. And there's a lot of women who are following these successful women who think, I want to have that success. If this woman can have it and I've got similar knowledge, why can't I be as successful immediately? And it's recognizing that, you know, you won't necessarily be as successful immediately. You can probably still be very, very successful, but you, you might, might not be as successful. You might not be a millionaire overnight. But the point is, is that you're never going to know. <laughs> you're never going to get close to it. If you sit on the sidelines, constantly studying how other people do things and you don't just get stuck in yourself and learn as you go. And that, you know, people don't notice as much as you think they notice. So if you think, oh, gosh, I got that masterclass date wrong or um, that, you know, I should have introduced the webinar better. People people aren't paying attention to those things. You'll learn from those things and you'll do it better next time. But, you know, you just need to get started, basically. And I think of the quote by, uh, you know, one of the most famous ice hockey players, Wayne Gretzky, who says, you only miss the shots you don't take. Totally. I think it's quite powerful that, you know, if you don't take a shot at it, you'll know for sure that you're not, not going to get anywhere near your goal. If you take a punt at it and it doesn't go so well, like you said, the science experiment, you know, occasionally completely blows up in our face. What can we learn from that? And, um, you know, the, the mistakes and the failures and the imperfections, I think, are really important to acknowledge when we're growing a business. But also the, what you mentioned earlier around, you know, the support, having, you know, coaching or a community. I guess there's a lot of similarity between nurturing a, a child and nurturing a business that both of them rely on a village. Both of them rely on, a, on support around you to be able to bring it up without killing yourself in the process. So... I don't know if that metaphor or that analogy works or linking raising a child with raising a business, but to me, it makes sense in the sense of you need to keep yourself topped up, either if you're raising a, a child or if you're working by yourself where nobody is checking in on you. You know, being a solo entrepreneur or in a company of one, as, as we often call it, it's it can be really tiring. And how do you deal with that? How do you top yourself up? How do you find pause and rest and recovery? Um, so I have certain rules around how I manage my time. Um, so I try and save like launches for like the beginning of my cycle, uh, when I naturally have more energy and optimism mm. and I try to keep boring things like accounting for the end of the cycle and just hope it's been a good month. So I don't start crying, <laughs> um, uh, in terms of the, so I do try to look at my months like that. I mean, the nice thing about working for yourself is that you have the freedom to do that. Um, and in terms of my day to day, I have like my do not disturb button on my phone that I switch on at nighttime. Um, when I'm doing writing, you know, I really, I really, one of the biggest mistakes I made at the beginning of my like working for myself or entrepreneurial journey, however you want to call it, um, was multitasking. I still had that very reactive behavior that we inherit from working in kind of normal cor corporations where, you know, you, you arrive and there's this emails pinging in your inbox and the sign of successful day is having an empty inbox where you've responded to everyone, regardless of their need, regardless of what, what's, what needs doing. And it's recognizing when you work for yourself, that's not actually the best way to do things. So I have days where I do all my blogging and scheduling for the day ahead and I focus on my marketing 
days where I focus on. So at the beginning of the week, I'm always setting my clients up for the week, making sure they have everything they need. And you know, we, we're clear on our goals and everything is kind of mapped out in a way that I'm not having to jump between too many tasks because that is mentally exhausting. And so while it might not be a way of filling my cup exactly, it's about creating a working schedule that doesn't drain me as much in the first place. Mm. Um, but then uh, when it comes to actually really feeling happy and connecting with myself and distracting myself from work, I have recognized that, you know, I need time where I totally switched off because I, I was guilty of kind of relaxing with a business podcast, which obviously isn't really relaxing because you're spending the whole time thinking, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, I should make a note of that. And you're not really moving your head out of that working space. So I, I love listening to certain like wellness podcasts with a nice hot bath in the evening. I love going out into nature. Nature is my favorite thing. I just, you know, I love photography as well. I love taking photographs of all the tiny details when I'm out and about. Um, and obviously travel was one of my go-tos. But in terms of day-to-day, -day, just getting out outside and being in nature, and my children love it as well. So it's really nice. It's something we all enjoy. And cooking, I find cooking, like preparing food so immensely therapeutic and enjoyable. So I try and like do at least one nice big kind of substantial meal a week where I really enjoy the whole kind of preparation and process. And I think that's really helpful where you can find pockets or opportunities of being mindfully present in that moment where you're not sort of still stuck in your head of trying to solve the next problem that you have in your business but actually right here right now I'm making this stew or right here right now I'm taking a walk in nature and it can be really hard to not drift back to to those things when especially if you're taking the path of of corporate culture into entrepreneur it can be really hard to do that where you're not sort of just continuing to run on the hamster wheel and creating the same habits in your in your own business that you had when you were employed and it's, it's important that you've recognized that. Do you see that in, in the women you serve who are coming from corporate backgrounds? Are they trying to approach their businesses as if they were just, you know, running through a to-do list and uh, clearing their inbox? Yeah, definitely. Um, and also just a general kind of lack of awareness around how to schedule their days. Um, I think that's where there's a certain element of feeling quite lost and not really understanding. They're, they're kind of jumping from task to task and they're struggling to kind of step back and look at the larger strategy and the larger kind of goal at large, they're kind of going moment to moment. It's really interesting that when I work with most clients, one of the first questions I ask them is, you know, what are their goals in the next three months or in the next year? So we kind of look at the bigger goals and then the more immediate ones. And a lot of them really struggle, um, particularly if you ask them personally what they'd like, they really struggle to think of what they like personally. Um, they're kind of willing to plow themselves into their business. But even then, they kind of will say, oh, I'd like to earn more but it's really hard for them to even imagine what that looks like. And I think that's where it's really important to step back and uh, reassess how you're scheduling your working day, your working month, but also your life, just where you're kind of allowing yourself enough space in your life to think bigger. Because I think if we are in that immediate reactive day-to-day -day work, it is really hard to think about what your goals are. It's hard, you know, it, it does come from a place of privilege, I, I expect to a certain extent, but even when I'm going through a hard time, I try to kind of switch off perhaps for a day if I feel like everything's getting too much and just allow myself to root back into what was what is my purpose what were my original goals how can I get there the most simple streamlined way mm. and that's the that's one of the most powerful things I think I've taken away from the work I've done with you Paul is the it's the framework towards that vision is not just how you set direction but also how you're going to set out the sort of stepping stones to get you going because I think mm. I was guilty of that thing of 
I have lots of things I want to offer, things that I could do. Um, I wanted a way where I could move out of the the clinic room where I was saying the same thing to every person I sat with because I specialize in perfectionism and the stress and anxiety that comes with that. How do I then go from from one to one to one to many? And you showed me that framework that without having a clear strategy, it's really difficult to move forward. And, you know, I, I think mastering Trello uh, has probably been like my biggest highlight of my organizational sort of skill set of this year for sure that it's now starting to feel manageable to have multiple things going on because I can make clear lists and and move them across and and it's okay I guess tolerating that things will be left unfinished you know tolerating that at the end of a working day yeah okay well I'll bump it to, to the next day like you showed me so I think there's a lot of wisdom of how we work in a way that still feels meaningful and purposeful so we don't just keep repeating patterns we had in a corporate culture Definitely. And then it's being really present in all your behavior and kind of keeping an eye on yourself because there'll be no one else to do it. So um, Trello, yeah, has likewise changed. Obviously, that's why I share it with everyone I work with, has changed my life in terms of the mental load. Because I previously, prior to that, I had an app which had a list which you could kind of swipe each day if you'd achieve something or not achieve something. And I had at first I thought it was massively effective. And then I reached a stage where I hadn't opened it for about a month. And I thought, why have Mm -hmm. I not opened it for a month? And I realized I had a genuine fear around opening it because I was actually finding that exercise of daily swiping things across or moving them to a different date, just exhausting. And I found it really upsetting to see the same tasks that I still hadn't managed to get around to kind of lurking there. And they just weren't, I felt the need to write them down, but they weren't really hugely important, which is why they were still there, but it still emotionally aggravated me to see them. And so with Trello now, obviously I move across the tasks I haven't achieved that day, but sometimes I also give myself permission, you know, recently I've changed it to, can I leave this here for next week? Do I need to move it? You know, can I leave it on a Monday? Do I need to move it till till tomorrow? Or should I just leave it here until next week? Will everything carry on as it should without me completing this task? And even things like that really lessens the mental load, mm. um, which is why it's so important to be really conscious of how you work in your business, yeah, to, to support yourself mentally and yeah, make it that it's not as stressful because it is ultimately you're just making your day and your life and your job significantly more stressful if you don't put up boundaries for yourself and for others. Mm. So it's so, so important to support yourself internally on the inside, how you you know, how you speak to yourself when you haven't achieved everything on your to-do list and how you also externally look for support to get some of those tricky things done that you haven't managed to achieve. And one of the things that often comes up with with people who are quite perfectionistic is, like you said, A, the the lack of delegation, but B, also the lack of asking for help and saying, look, I'm really struggling. Can you take a look at this? How's that showed up for you in terms of leaning on a support system? Well, yeah, it's interesting, actually, because um, the first coach I ever worked with, I think it worked. She she reeled me in because she was speaking so to me. <laughs> she had her ideal client, client avatar right down with her um, talking to burnout and helping me recognize that. And it seemed like such an informal, the way the whole process felt very natural and easy. Um, but I do remember prior to working with her thinking, you know, I've got strategy down. I've worked in marketing for ages. I've supported various other entrepreneurs with successful launches and businesses. And I, I kind of felt like, why would I need a coach? You know, I'm, I'm earning well enough and uh, I've got a constant stream of inquiries coming in. 
Um, but obviously, when I started reaching burnout, that was where that coach so easily reeled me in. And since then, I have really seen the advantage of having um, someone in my life to kind of keep me accountable and to be able to have enough distance from what I'm doing to be able to call me out on when things are quite evidently <laughs> where I'm getting a bit too passionate and not thinking strategically enough. Um, or where I'm just wearing myself too thin, because there are elements of my personality that are still very much a people pleaser. I do struggle to say no. But the really lovely thing that happened um, after my first coach was I um, joined Susie Ashworth's uh, Container The One. And so there were a group of us. And the effect of being part of a group was incredibly powerful. Um, mm. It really, I loved being among a community of other entrepreneurs who had similar struggles. It was really fascinating to see, regardless of where they were at in their business, actually a lot of the kind of stumbling blocks we all had were all very similar and um, it was interesting to see it from an outsider's perspective looking at them and hearing the same problems but then looking at them thinking but you're amazing why are you not just doing this and so feeling that way about them helped me feel the confidence to be like well why am I not doing this <laughs> so I, I massively ever since I've started coaching I haven't got off the coaching wheel I'm constantly with a coach and uh, I think it's really and that's why I now do I'm still doing my one-to-ones but I've also have a membership and as well all my online courses involve an element of group coaching so that I can support people through all the all the modules that they're learning mm, it's that hand-holding isn't it it's seeing someone who, who they are and, and seeing their individual blocks I think you've mentioned that the women often hold themselves back with that self that them you know I can't do this I'm not good enough to this sort of imposter syndrome that comes over us thinking that other people will judge or they won't think it's good enough or if I actually did succeed then maybe I just got lucky you know maybe it wasn't the actual skill set that I had or the graft I had it was just someone who I just had a lucky break and that can be really detrimental because it means we're not celebrating our wins we're not celebrating our strengths and, and looking at the things we've built um, as, as serious achievements. So I think it's great that you managed that uh, or mentioned that the um, that the coaching is, you know, is part of a personal development that we constantly grow and learn throughout our lives. And clearly that's been your journey into this business is finding your purpose and, and passion and then turning that into something that's a, a helpful offering for other people. Now, this has all been lots of serious things. Obviously, everything you're doing is so helpful for women to step out there to, you know, to utilize their passion and, and their potential. But how do you then play? You know, how do you let loose and, and let go of the sort of the pressure of of the sense of perfection or the pressure of of achievement? What's what's sort of fun and creative and innovative for you? That's an interesting one. And actually one that I almost struggle with. It makes made me realize maybe I'm quite a serious person. Um, I, I, I indulge in a lot of play again through my children because they're so playful. And I, I kind of go down to their level when they're doing whatever they're doing and meet them with it with drawings and coloring in and baking. And I guess I'm lucky that they're at that age where there's a lot of creating going on. We go to the woods together. We create potions. My partner's a fisherman so or not just a fisherman but he likes fishing so yeah. uh, we do a lot of that together so there's a lot of kind of play elements in nature and um, when it's just me uh, I love music I love to dance um, recently I've kind of been toying a bit with sobriety and um, just because I found that drinking alcohol was something I was using to uh, de-stress and switch off and relax and uh, I realized that not that I was very consuming very much. I kind of feel like even one glass numbs you a bit. And I just feel like life is really beautiful. I don't want to numb myself from things. And mm. if I'm feeling that my life is so stressful that I need it, then there's something that needs addressing in my life. 
um, to kind of take the pressure off and ways to relax. So I really love yoga as well. Um, and do quite a lot of yoga since COVID-19 actually it's been a bit of a struggle but I guess I guess if I boil it down it's kind of movement between kind of cycling and dancing and just I'm a real people person I just love being with my friends and uh, again meals I'm a huge I, I, I kind of feel like even though I'm an English woman I, I feel like my spirit is Greek I just love having lots of people around a table having big meals and shouting over the table <laughs> passionately <laughs> excitedly about you know discussing philosophy and politics and debates and um that's kind of where I'm at my happiest I'm, I'm definitely someone who thrives on being around other people um but in my own time yeah kind of a bit of yoga or dance movement just connecting with the body I think because of the kind of work I do I'm so in my head most of the day the times that I really want to kind of be happy and relax is to kind of be in my body um, and I also love obviously ever since uh, lockdown life's been a little bit challenging in terms of what we're seeing in real life so uh, to put it mildly so I love watching comedies and things like that they always cheer me up you know really enjoy having a good laugh you know laughter in itself is quite therapeutic isn't it mm, it's a real good range of things we can do either on your own or with others so that we're never at the mercy of oh no there's nobody who who wants to hang out with me so I can't do anything fun that actually you, you found things that you can do on your own that's also very powerful when you're a, you know a company of one because the days might be quite long without a team around how do we entertain ourselves how do we do things that are fun and that could be i guess for entrepreneurs also that we will ring someone or we text someone or we go for a walk with someone who's also an entrepreneur but when we're on our own that you know putting on some playful music and a lot of british people are very scared to let go the way that other cultures may do and being swedish i can see that as well that we're mm. perhaps slightly more reserved as a as a uh, as a nation without stereotyping too much that i think it's it's helpful to realize that you know who am i who do i want to be how do i want to show up at work and outside of work to really experience joy and playfulness and fun and for a lot of people that is stepping in through playing with their children and realizing that, you know, I missed something. I, I liked doing this when I was a kid. You know, so I skip with my son sometimes because I like skipping. And, you know, at age 36, I'm still allowed to do it. I just get away with it more if I do it with the child in my hand. So um, <laughs> it just looks slightly less weird. But and I like sometimes I skip with my husband and he's like, oh, God, what are you doing? And I still like it because it sort of brings up a little bit of uh, upbeatness to me. And I think sort of a little bit of silliness. And I think that you, you're you probably not as serious as you as you just described, because I've definitely seen you be playful uh, in, in our sort of group coaching and things as well. I think you have a great sense of humor, which I think is very protective as an entrepreneur that you can joke about things. Yeah, I like climbing trees with the kids and things like that. I think, I yeah. Yeah, it's hard to describe. I, I guess it's because I don't feel like the play I do is um, kind of the stereotypical things I would associate with play, like painting or kind of doing something really for yourself. I feel like a lot of the play I still do still incorporates a lot of connecting with others, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I, I guess some of the play I do as well is also very peaceful. So I always think of play as like laughter and loud and you know, like I've got a trampoline that I love to jump on, which is really fun. Um, but, you know, I love my plants. I have a huge, like I'm a real plant mama. I've got plants all over my house and now I've got a garden. So that I really find so much joy in looking after my plants in the garden as well, which is kind of, I wouldn't really call that. I guess it is play. Is that play? <laughs> I guess play is what you make it. To me, it's about the function rather than the form that, you know, we can do lots of different things that we experience joy from. And someone else might think, but you're not playing right now. And, and and it's not up to others to judge. It's a sort of what, what function does that serve for me? What do I take away from it? 
if that fills you up with the feeling of joy, then to me that is joyful. That's that is pleasurable. So it's it doesn't all have to be sort of really hedonistic. It can also be more like eudaimonic well-being, where we think I'm doing things that are purposeful, meaningful, uh, and it feels like it's it's something that fills me up and fulfills me. That can also give us a sense of joy. But yes, you're right that a lot of people have preconceived notions of what play is and what it has to be. And, you know, I'm by no means a play therapist, but I use it a lot with people who are struggling to let go because they have, uh, you know, fears and and self-limiting beliefs around what would happen if they would let go, if they would just say, I'll race you to that tree and just run for it, you know, and you leg it like you do when you were a kid. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that episode of Friends where Phoebe goes for a run and she flails about with her arms and running in a really weird way and her slightly more uptight friend Monica is just saying why are you running like that I'm feeling ashamed and embarrassed to run with you and she's like but this is free it's so freeing <laughs> to run like that and I, I don't know if it's Monica or Rachel but you know the other friends are saying why do you do that and and Phoebe to me has always felt like such a free spirit someone who dares to do things like that to just go for it because it feels good and I guess growing up and being adults now you know we are powerful women who can do things that feel good for us so that would be something that will give us a sense of freedom. Definitely. I like that. We, we're getting on a bit. I, I digressed a bit about Friends episodes <laughs> from the 90s, which may not uh, be a reference that hits home for everyone. But Polly, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. What is the one tangible takeaway you would like to give the listeners? You know, either a, a permission you want to give them or a pressure you would like to take off them. What would that be? Permission to get started. Just to um, not to get started and be out there enough that you start to kind of relax into being yourself. Because when you can be yourself visibly, people will really start to trust you. When you start out, you're going to be a bit shy and that's fine, but you're only going to get past that shyness by just getting started. And don't allow perfectionism to get in the way of getting started because um, you, you, you'll learn and you'll get better with time and nobody is paying anywhere near as close attention to it as you are. So do the learning that you need to do, but just get started. Fantastic. And where can we find you, Polly? Remember that I will put all the links in the show notes as well. Uh, you can find me over on polylavarello.com. I'm on Instagram. That's my main place for hanging out, polylavarello digital. And um, I've also got a membership, which is the launch pad, which you can find more about on polylavarello.com. Fantastic. So Obviously, we, you know, at this point when this episode is coming out, I imagine that you've got lots of of things on and your Launchpad membership uh, is probably in full swing at that point. So I'll put that in the show notes as well so people can learn more about how they can join these kind of communities with other female entrepreneurs and be guided by you. So thank you so much for coming on and talking so openly and honestly about any struggles you've had with with high standards or perfectionism and how you've learned to free yourself for, from at least some of it and I guess it's an ongoing work in progress isn't it so thank you so much for coming thank you so much thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically, showing you that you might be close to breaking point 
or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. And you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.